Good afternoon, everybody. This is Debbie Q with The Right Shoe. The Right Shoe is a podcast about all things strange and unusual, especially in reference to death. Or, well, in today's case, it is deaths and disappearances of children, unfortunately. Actually, this is going to be a strange Right Shoe because I'm focusing it initially on Amber Schwartz Garcia, who's been missing for over 30 years now. I mean, she's probably dead, but there's something so peculiar, someone so peculiar, attached to that case and to many others. I keep thinking about it because it's so strange. I'll get to that. The Right Shoe is a podcast. It's been around since 2020, started with covid if you want to reach me, I can be reached on Instagram, the right shoe podcast underscore underscore, or the right shoe 65 at gmail.com. I said this many times. I was addicted to opiates for many years, pills, heroin, all that loveliness, and I got clean. So you can too. And you know, I have to say, Because the cold started, I am just not happy right now. I don't like the cold at all. I hate it. Hate it. I like the warmth. I never complain about the heat. I I just don't. I I could live in Florida easily. I know that humidity sucks, but I could I could deal with it because I just I hate the cold. My whole body hates it, and I'm getting kind of depressed because. The cold, it just brings on this wave of depression. And I really, I felt myself like I hadn't had cravings in a long time. And I just had them the other night, you know, and I hadn't had a craving in a long time. So that kind of sucked. But you just, I'm telling you, once you, one thing that keeps me, from ever wanting to get high, high again. And I haven't done anything. I haven't even smoked weed, nothing. I took maybe two gummies when I was in Colorado. And I'm just, I don't know. As a kid, I smoked weed like Bob Marley. I just grew out of it. And I, I mean, when I was in my 40s, actually, and I don't know, it just doesn't do what it once did for me. I wish it did. Because I I don't think weed's bad. I think you can pick it up and put it down. It's just, I don't know. I haven't done anything, and it is hard. I'm not going to lie, especially since the cold started. It's stressful. But I will never go through withdrawal ever again. I did it a lot, and the last time... It just about killed me. I my the nurses were even like we're we're gonna have to get you in the hospital because my heart was just it, it almost gave out. It just couldn't take because I was withdrawing off a lot of things and I it was bad. So stay away from anything that's physically addicting. It's just not worth it. It sucks. It's not fun. The withdrawal sucks and it does nothing. It's garbage. You know, especially in today's world, it's just junk. You know, you can't even do pills now because you don't know what's in them. There was a, a girls that did the this uh, that was supposed to be an oxycotton thirty or something or 
something like that, a 30. It's blue or green, and you cut it in half, and you can crush it and snort it. Well, these girls did that, and the one died because they were actually cut with fentanyl. It was fake. It was pressed in someone's basement, and the one girl got more than the other girl, and she died. So just stay away from it. It's junk. You don't need it. You can live life without it, and life is good without it. I I do admit, like I yes, I'm down right now because it's cold, and I hate the I hate the cold. <laughs> you can't do anything. You have to wear a lot of clothes. I like wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I I hate the whole bundling up thing. I do like snow, but it doesn't really snow anymore. So it just it's been not a good week. <laughs> I can go on and on about it because it, it's and for addicts out there. They understand because there's all, you know, and for anyone who's gotten clean and has had time under their belt, you know, you, you can appreciate just the feeling of the need. But I, again, I will never go through withdrawal ever. So I do want to start uh, because this, I want to get to bed early, blah, blah, blah. I was watching my Unsolved Mysteries I came across a case that I had remembered. Now, I always thought she was the one where Amber Alerts had come from, but it it wasn't. It's Amber Schwartz Garcia, the disappearance of. Actually, the one that we've got Amber Alerts from is from Amber Renee Hagerman. She was from Texas, riding her bicycle when she got kidnapped at age nine. That's where we got that emergency response system from. But this woman, the mother of Amber Schwartz, did a lot. Things were slower. I mean, now things are like, you know, you even see signs on the roadway. Like when I'm driving up 95, I'll see, you know, uh, alert, you know, be aware of this car with this license plate, missing persons. At least we become really, most of the time, we're more apt to jump on a missing toddler than we were previously even in my time i mean in the 80s i although that's when i always talk about her it's my second podcast tina severance she wasn't really kidnapped she was but the way he did it tina was sleeping over someone's house she got into a, a car with her friend they drove around with two guys and a cop pulled them over quote unquote and actually, it was Albert Altamari who was posing as a cop, told them to get out of the car. They were only 13, didn't know better. You know, back then, it really was different. Like, you went over, what happened was she got out of the car. They He took the girls. They dropped Tina and her friend off. When she called the friend the next day, my my friend's mother called to get Tina. She said, didn't the cop drop her off? And that was eight hours later. So, you know, I don't think in this day and age any of this would have happened. Kids are a lot more savvy. It just wouldn't, I, I, you know, and parents don't just say, you know, call me. You know, she probably called her that evening and then you go to bed. It, it, it was a horrible, horrible thing that nowadays I just think, and I applaud the fact that there's a lot more inquisitiveness with kids and there's a lot more shrewdness. They ask questions. They don't trust the authority right away. You know, it's, it's bad, bad, bad. So, again, this girl, 
Amber Schwartz is what I'm going to start off with. There's a few other girls that, because of somebody who enters this whole story, it's just bizarre. And as a as something for you to take away and think about, like, what do you think of this guy? I mean, some people might think he's an out-and-out freak. Some people might think he's a do-gooder. And some people, like myself, have extremely mixed feelings, and I don't know what to think. Like, I don't know if this guy is a, a nutcase or if he's just messing around. You'll, it's crazy. If you don't know about him already, his name is Timothy Bindner, and he comes up repeatedly on these on the missing girl cases that are in his vicinity. I never heard about him until I was watching Unsolved Mysteries, and I was watching this case about Amber Schwartz Garcia. Now, Amber Schwartz Garcia, her disappearance occurred on August on June third, nineteen eighty-eight. She was born in nineteen eighty on August nineteenth, which is my birthday. God, it keeps coming up. Matthew Perry just passed away, and he was born August nineteenth. She was seven years old when she was dis- when she disappeared. Her mom—it's really terrifying, actually. Her mom and her are waiting for her friends to come over, and Amber says, "Can I jump rope?" And Amber's mom says. Oh, honey, you know, why don't you wait till our friends come over? And she says, oh, please. And this was a time when your kid could sit on the step by themselves. I mean, we slept outside on the steps. Never had, I mean, one even iota of an issue. But anyway, she said, can I please jump rope outside on the front steps? Amber Schwartz's mother, Kim, it's uh, the saddest part of this story is that Kim Schwartz was married to a Bernie Schwartz, who was a police officer. He was shot and killed four months before Amber was born. So she already had to deal with that tragedy. You know, seven years later, Amber's seven, and this happens. They get the jump rope from the hallway. She's, you know, cleaning up, and the daughter's outside jumping rope. Now, the friends come over and knock on the door. This is truly, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it. The friends come in, knock on the door, say, oh, hi. And the girl says, where's Amber? And she says, well, she's on the front step jumping rope. And the mom and the daughter are like, you know, no, no, we didn't see her. And she says, oh, no, she's there. The little girl runs out and she says, I don't see her. So Kim just says, like, you know, she starts crying. She says, I I'm running out. I'm free. I'm screaming. Amber, she says, I, I don't want anything to be wrong. I'm worried immediately. Where is she? I want her home. The panic that must overtake you is got to be terrifying. I used to bring the kids to the playground, and if I couldn't see them for two seconds, the panic that would well inside of me, and I'm talking two seconds, was unnerving. I cannot imagine that panic never ending. It's got to be horrible. And for, I mean, I saw a lot of comments, oh, never take your eyes off your kid. (laughs) First of all, even in today's age, you can't do that. It's impossible. You got, you know, I kept my eye on my kids as much as I could, but they're kids. And unless you have them on a leash, which some people do do, and I don't blame them, you know, I they just run sometimes. They play games. They think they're playing. It takes one second. You just have to do what you can do. And I don't ever blame the parent for this. This shouldn't happen to anyone. 
Immediately, she she calls the police. She can't believe this is happening. The cops come over. She notices right away that they're asking her strange questions. She says, I can tell by the way they were asking me that they were leading to someone. Like, did you ever get something in the mail from a specific person or someone that you didn't know, but someone specific? So here, she says, three days after Amber had disappeared, somebody knocked on her door that she'll never forget. My name's Timothy. I'm with the search for Amber, for your dear Amber. He She's was, such a lovely girl. it looked like he'd been so up all night, basically was saying how he wanted to be the one to save her. He wanted to be the one to bring her home to me. I've been searching in a lot of places that... That I think some of the authorities might not be searching for because I, I know kids. I they almost look like a van that he painted himself. Um, he's got these plates that say "Love You." Um, he's got uh, posters on the outside of the van. I want you to know. I want to be the one to find her. He's got this van. You know, he he got really emotional when he was talking about Amber, and she said, "Like it just really freaked her out." Not only that, but, I mean, there are some strange things I'm going to get into. So, in the meantime, they look for Amber Schwartz, and she is never seen or heard from again. They never found her body. There was a couple of disappearances in the same area, and I'm going to go through those, but also, it's all tied in with this Timothy Bindner. Now, he comes in and he says, you know, you can see, he says, I'm Timothy. I want to find your daughter. Now, at first I'm thinking, oh, this guy, like he must really feel bad for this woman and he's just trying to help her. But you realize there is something off about this guy. He is obsessive, obsessed with missing children. Now, everyone gets upset about missing children. I have a hard time even like going through a whole entire episode about a missing child because you just get so upset for the parents and so upset for the loss of life at such a young age and the innocence. But this guy just, he's a, an odd guy. And there's a book that was written about him called Stalemate. And it was somebody who wrote, I mean, he wrote hundreds of hours this guy, uh, John Philpin, wrote about Timothy Bindner and these disappearances. And he still, I, you can tell, he can't come to a conclusion. He says he's a bright guy, Berkeley grad. And yet he also says like law enforcement should are doing their due diligence by keeping on him. So it's just bizarre. Okay, so let me go through the disappearances a little bit. And why this guy is so odd. And and he he had come up in the news recently. But I'll get to it. Let me just start. So Timothy Bender is... He first came onto the scene when several missing girls around the I-80 corridor in California came up. His behavior was beyond... It wasn't like, I'm just going to help. He would send young girls birthday cards, gifts, and the strangest thing I heard, a card that was written backwards, so you had to hold it in the mirror. Now, that was a big thing when I was younger. It was in the comic books. It was, you know, 
it was a big thing to write like that and then turn it into the mirror. So does this guy have the mind of a child? I don't know. You know, what's wrong with this guy? So he he wrote Bible verses. When asked and questioned, he said the girls were lonely and he was reaching out to them. He was actually fired from his job at the Social Security office because he was caught collecting information about girls so that he could send them stuff in the mail. Now he got his jo- his job back when they found out he had not used the records for any personal gain and there, therefore there was no just cause for the firing. But in today's world, that would have been an invasion of privacy. So that would have went through. I, I think that's a weird, another instance of the past just being so different. Uh, he drove this van around with a license plate that read, love you. He had very strange wallpaper, like with children and Bible verses and crayon drawings. He was arrested trying to lure two girls into his van, but the charges were ultimately dropped. Uh, He was arrested for public drunkenness. Now, does he get drunk and cry about children? Like, I kept trying to justify, you know, this guy's actions just so that for argument's sake, because... It sound, he sounded like a whack job immediately, but I was trying to make a justification for him. So then he starts going to the girls, like girls, little girls, cemeteries. And I'm talking not just once or twice, 90 times he went to this one child, Angela Bougay. So this Angela Bougay, he, she was five years old in 1983, about four years before Amber's disappearance when she was abducted from her California home. She was later found sexually assaulted and strangled to death. Bender revisited her grave about 90 times, 90 times. He was known to clean and decorate the grave. He said he fell in love with her. And investigators just said, you know, even Amber's mom was like, I'm sorry, visiting a child's grave 90 times that is not your child there's something going on in his mind which i think is a good way of putting it it's not you know guilty or innocent there's something in his mind that's off is he mentally unstable i don't know it gets weirder they said that he simulated a sex act while visiting Angela's grave, according to the FBI surveillance. Search dogs traced the scent of Amber Schwartz Garcia and Amanda Nikki Campbell, another girl, to Angela's gravesite. And Bender was the only like connection between all of these girls. So he was very suspicious, but they don't allow search dogs in court of law because they don't trust You know, it's like a lie detector test. So everything was uncertain and circumstantial. A lot of people wanted to interview him. He said he thought of the missing girls as his children when a a reporter had interviewed him one time. He was convinced that he was rescuing these girls. In 1988, Bender wrote a letter to police saying that he thought the next girl who disappeared would be nine years old. Nine-year-old Michaela Garrett 
disappeared shortly after the letter arrived. He also sent an FBI profiler a Christmas card with an image of a little girl holding up four fingers. Four-year-old Amanda Nikki Campbell disappeared soon after in 1991. He tried to offer his, I, I think he was also a wannabe cop. So he would offer his theories and whatnot. He was awarded this uh, California Heroism Award in 1989 for his work in the San, in an earthquake that San in that huge earthquake that San Francisco had in 1989. There's a a video that they show that this there's a baseball game going on and you can see the earthquake. It's a crazy video, but. During this time, he was actually given a heroism award. And defenders of Timothy say this is proof that he is just a helpful guy. Now, he was featured in the book Stalemate by John Philpin. He said he spoke to him for hundreds of hours. He's a really smart guy, but that the FBI should keep their eyes on him. So, you could tell that even though this guy interviewed him all that time, he doesn't even know what to think of this guy. In 2009, a man convicted of killing his teenage son asked for a new trial because Timothy Binder was a jury on juror on the case. Now, I'm sure his lawyer combed through anything to get this guy a new trial for, you know, the man convicted of killing his son. But they said it was because Timothy shouldn't have been on the juror. And he says, like, I was honest with everything, you know, and he did also win a $90,000 settlement because he said law enforcement gave him a bad rep. People were like taunting him and yelling at him, um, sicking their dog on him. He, it's really difficult when you read about what, what is this guy? Like, is he just uh, some like kind of wacky guy that really wants to help law enforcement. But the law enforcement says it seems like he's almost taunting them at times. And I have to agree with that. Like, is he um, one of those guys like he might be helpful towards the girls, maybe, but he knows he gets under their skin. So he tries to play it up. It is a little weird. Some of the stuff he does. So Amber Schwartz Garcia, they they wrote a list of potential victims that were in the area of Timothy Bindner because he lives in San Pablo even to this day, I think. Amber Schwartz Garcia disappeared from her front yard at 4 o'clock on June 3rd, 1988. She was outside playing jump rope. The jump rope, it had wooden handles, never has never been located. The day after her disappearance, investigators found a pair of pink socks near a baseball field where they had where they had already checked the day before. So they believe they were had been left there after the initial search. The day after she was last seen, a witness said claimed to have seen a white man throwing a girl that matched Amber's description into a tan four-door car. Investigators have never been able to verify that this was Amber. In 1991, three years after Amber's disappearance, a man claims to have witnessed a bearded man forcing a girl into a vehicle the day that Amber disappeared. You know, these it's hard to say. I don't I've seen pictures of Timothy Bender. I've he's always been clean shaven. 
Bender has been accused of being obsessed with Amber's disappearance. He approached Kim three days after, saying, I want to be the one to save your dear, sweet Amber, crying, looking like he hasn't slept, coming up in this van that looked like, you know, with these pictures on them. And just, she said it, it was so bizarre. And she was so grief-stricken that it didn't strike her at that time until she thought about it. So, again, Amber's scent was at the gravesite of Angela Bouquet's where, which Bender was known to have frequented, but they just never had anything concrete to charge him with these disappearances. The FBI extensively questioned Bender after Amber's abduction, and even the polygraph was inconclusive. In 2009, Curtis Dean Anderson, a convicted pedophile, said he was responsible for Amber's kidnapping and murder. He confessed in prison about a month before his death. He said he took her to Arizona, murdered her, and left her body beside a highway. However, her remains have never been located, and Anderson was known to have falsely confessed to other crimes. He signed a statement in Amber's case. Amber's mom is very skeptical of this confession. Amber's case is still open. So there was other girls in that area. Michelle, Michaela Garrett nine years old, was abducted from a parking lot in Hayward, California on November 19th, 1988, which was not that long after Amber. She had been riding with a friend on scooters to buy candy. When they left the candy store, Michaela noticed that her friend's scooter had been moved. When she went to get the scooter, an unknown white male forced her into a vehicle and drove away. Her friend reported the kidnapping right away, but the vehicle, the perpetrator, and Michaela were never found. Investigators say that Bender had a possible connection, but I don't know that they never give any information or... You know, they just are very suspicious. Eileen Misselhoff, Michelle Miskelhoff, 13, disappeared while walking home from school in Dublin, California, about six months after January 30th, 1989. Classmates saw her take a shortcut through a park along a creek bed. She was carrying a dark blue backpack and a flute case. After her disappearance, oh, a black plastic flute case. After her disappearance, the backpack was found in the creek bed in areas that had already been searched. So that seems to be a common theme. Somebody putting stuff after it's been searched, like, haha, which does sound like Timothy Bender. It's very odd. Amanda Nikki Campbell, four, was last seen near her home in Fairfield, California, on December 27, 1991, about 4.30. She had been playing at a friend's house four houses down from her own home and left to ride her bike around the corner to a different friend's house. Her brother and a friend were outside and saw her try, you know, ride away. Her bike was found that evening. When the mom got home, she said, where's Nikki? And she was gone. Scent dogs traced Nikki down the street where she was last seen through a local fast food restaurant and then onto the I-80 ramp. Investigators believe that she was pulled into a vehicle. Search dogs either traced Nikki's scent to or indicated upon her scent at the grave of Angela Bougay, a place where Bittner was known to visit. However, investigators have never had enough information to prove that he was a suspect. 
1997, he won a $90,000 defamation lawsuit against the city of Fairfield, claiming they harassed and ruined his reputation. I mean, he's not the only suspect, and there has been there's been convictions in like in the Angela Bouquet, but that was the gravesite. He Angela Bouquet, her abductor was caught, but she wasn't in the little group of people they thought that Binder had killed the girls. It was is Amber Schwartz Garcia, Michaela Garrett, Eileen Mischelhoff, and Amanda Nikki Campbell. I, you know, but there really isn't anything concrete. The, the, his van is disturbing. Writing letters to children, it's absolutely bizarre. And then they said when he was at that jury trial that they're trying to get him kicked off on now, he was going crazy describing how to choke someone. But when they asked him, when they said, well, so were you choking someone? I mean, how do you know this? He said he himself was choked when he was younger. Like, it is it is almost like he messes with people's heads. Or he's just a down-out freak. <gasps> yes, and I'm reading Reddit. What, what I had found a lot of information was from the 2009 uh, court case where he was Got oh well they're trying to well they were trying to get him kicked off the jury trial. Reddit and Unsolved Mysteries. Now on Reddit, he works in a crematorium and one person says, I think it's possible he would be familiar with burying bodies. And the one person says the dude is guilty. If he is guilty, he managed to pull this off while being known to local police and even the FBI all the while involving himself in the search parties, court cases, victims' families, etc. In my opinion, he was either innocent of the abductions, very intelligent, or incredibly lucky. Oh, yeah, somebody says maybe he's friends with a couple of sickos, which would explain how he knew the two girls' ages. Yeah, I mean, because, like, they, you know, that... I do remember in the 90s when the the new Zodiac killer of New York City came onto the scene. He got like four people's Zodiac sign right, but he said it was just a lucky guess. So that is really weird. That is really weird. I mean, when I really read, when I looked up on it, and, and I mean, what do you think about a guy who just seems to really inject himself into these crimes. Like what do you what what do you make of this Timothy Bender? I when I really think about it, I don't think he probably has anything to do with I think this is my opinion. I think that he really I think he's just a weird guy. He was, like, obsessed with these girls as far as, like, oh, my God, maybe I can help. And then he became obsessed. And then when law enforcement started getting on him, he was just like, well, F it. I'm just going to mess back with them. That's what I really believe. But that's still very twisted because you're dealing with missing children and you're you're like, but I just get the impression that he was really pissed off that they were kind of, like, he was trying to help them so much in his mind, not realizing that he looks like an 
out and out nutcase and was very maybe hurt by it just seems like yeah there's so much attention on him how can he be getting away with it if there's that much attention on him Uh, you know ted bundy only got away with stuff for so long and nowadays it's just about impossible you know i was talking the other day uh, with someone on instagram that it's true you just can't get away with nothing anymore, especially with this familial DNA. It's just, and that's a great thing. It's an excellent thing because these sickos were getting away with it for far too long. You know how mad it makes me about Tina to this day? I just like, I just think about that guy and how he took away someone's life at age 13. It was he had no, oh, that makes me so mad. I, I get so upset. It's hard. I, I have to like slow myself down so I can get my words out right. Like he had no right to take her life away at such a young age. What is wrong? Oh my God. My dog is freaking out. What's wrong? Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it just infuriates me. Like, and it's, that's true for every kid, the mothers and fathers of children. It's like, It shouldn't happen, and it really is frustrating. So that's food for thought. I, I, The Amber Schwartz-Garcia case is what got me. I never heard about Timothy Bender. And and when I, I remember that case about Amber, but I didn't remember about Timothy Bender. So when I focused on that part, I was like, that is so weird. So I started reading up on them, and it's just... It's something, and there's that book Stalemate by John Philpin. If you wanted to, because that's supposed to be a pretty good book about this. That guy wrote a book about him, and I don't think he knows what to make of him. So check that out. It's a little bit of a short one because we got the holidays coming up. If I get a, a right show out, it'll probably be in December. If not, have great holidays. It's just going to be crazy this year. So I'm going to try to get one more out before the end of the year. If not, have a great holiday season. Love you guys. Have a great sober season. Or if you drink or whatever, party a little bit, please be careful and don't drive. You know, make plans that are safe. Stay over, have a slumber party. And have a great holiday season. And I will see. My nose is so stuffed up. I I just can't even can barely talk. And have a great one, guys. Stubby Q with the right shoe. And I'll see you next time.